Hey everybody, this is Rowan and Malia, and we are, what are we doing? We're talking at the students' uh, midwifery group here in Houston, yes. Texas. Okay. Our HAMS group. Our HAMS, oh, okay. Well, this is my first time uh, presenting at HAMS, and it's the first, uh, it's the Monday before No Thanks for Giving or Thanks Taking. I mean, let that sit in your system a little bit. And uh, we didn't have a big amount of people show up, but that's okay, because we like each other and we're having a good time and here we are. Okay. All right, so I'll introduce myself first and then you'll introduce yourself. Okay. Sounds good. So again, Rowan, I'm a newly licensed midwife from, um, I think it was around Valentine's Day I got licensed. Okay. Of 2019, which is the year that we're recording right now. And um, I have a, business called Preggers Can Be Choosers, heavily relying on the choosers part, right? That was a big part of why I went into midwifery, because there's not a lot of choosing, and we'll talk about that in some of our cultural competency. And um, I also work at North Houston Birthing Center, which I love, which we also talked about. Yes. <laughs> Most people are really surprised by that, but I love it there. It's so great. Um, so those are the places I work. I'm also uh, a scar remediation I wouldn't say expert, but I have a high skill set, and I've been a body worker, a massage therapist since, uh, shit, um, 1994. What year were you born? <laughs> 94? No. I remember that. Oh! <laughs> 96. 96. Wow. Shit, you really? were doing body work longer than I've been alive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so Sage. introduce yourself. My name is Malia. Okay. Um, I'm a Malia. talk loud. Okay. My name is Malia. I'm a midwifery student, uh, soon to take the NARM. I'm also a doula, placent encapsulator, and I work at the Addis. Oh, do you really? Yeah. Oh, this is my first week. I'm like, oh, okay. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I love it. Everyone's like, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. There's really, like, um, there's a birth center for every midwife. Like, yeah. do you think you're a birth center midwife or like a home birth midwife? I really like home birth. I like home birth. Project your I love home birth. I'm there a home birth midwife, for sure. Yeah. But I like birth center too. See, and I feel the opposite. Like, nobody was more surprised than me when I was like, I love birth centers. I love birth centers. You know why? Because whenever you're, like, delivering, you know, helping somebody deliver, mm -hmm. and then the baby comes out, and everybody, like, bum rushes the pool or the tub or whatever, and you're yeah. like, get out of my way, man. Because we still have a placenta deliver. We got to make sure that baby breathes. We got to make sure everything's yeah. okay. And so, like, and I need just some elbow room, and I need you not to be in between me and my stuff. Because there's always, mm -hmm. like, 90 million relatives running in there, and they're in between you and, like, wherever your equipment is set up. Or maybe yeah. you didn't deliver where you thought you would, so you, like, walk around with this tray of stuff. And then if you need more equipment for, like, a resuscitation or whatever, then there's always people in the way, or... Yeah. There's, and there's people like announcing she didn't dare. I'm like, uh, I don't know that. Well, how much does the baby weigh? Like, dude, I don't know. The placenta's not out yet. Yeah. You know, like that kind of stuff makes me bananas. So like being a birth center midwife, like if I open that nightstand, my chucks pads are going to be there and it's mm -hmm. all good, you know? That's true. Home births have a little bit of chaos yeah. included in them because you never know who's going to drop by uh -huh. and just be like, I know where you live, so I get to come to your birth. It's like, no. Don't do that. Once before. more with the choosing part, <laughs> people get to choose if you're at their birth or not. So. That's true. That's true. What do you want to talk about first? Scar tissue or competency? Um, let's do the competency one. Let's just get straight to okay. the stuff. And we might just do like a five minute chat about scar tissue because some of it I want people to think about before I hand them all the answers. Okay. Right? And not, not that, let me reframe that. Before I 
say what I think about it. That's what I want to okay. do. I want to talk about how we might see it in the field and then let people kind of let that percolate before I give my two cents because midwifery a lot is about what do you see and then what are your solutions? And I don't know all the solutions. I just know mine. So um, I wanted to let it percolate some. So we can just throw that at the end. So okay. um, anyway, watch the end if you want to learn about scar tissue, which a lot of people need to, by the way. Definitely. I think it'd be helpful. Okay, cultural competency talk to me okay well here i am like white as can be here's my girl malia she's dark black as can be i love it i love <laughs> it i love it and um and it's funny because the Odyssey is a kind of a white bougie birth center they have a look they have yeah. a look everything they is rose a, gold they mm -hmm. they're very cute it is it is but are you the only person of color who works there yes yeah yeah okay yeah. and i um work at north houston birth center and there's only two white people who work there, me and the other midwife, um, which I'm not jazzed about the power structure there, the, you know, the white people on top, mm. but um, if you will, you know, and the yeah. chain of commander. But um, all the other staff is um, Hispanic, bilingual, and I think there's one, um, maybe she's Haitian or something. She's also a Spanish speaker. So um, all the folks I work with, I'm used to doing our births in Spanglish. We have a lot of Spanish-speaking uh, customers, clients okay. and stuff, so I love it there. I yeah. love it there. So it's so funny that we're in like an opposite experience. We totally are. Um, and there is one um, black owned and black. No, there's two black owned and black um, facilitated. Like everybody there, I think mm -hmm. it's a person of color. So Bay Area Community Birth Center is also black owned and um, black staffed. And then uh, Afua. Yes. Yeah. The birthplace. The birthing place. The birthing place. Yeah. Which is in third world. Mm -hmm. Okay. So cultural competency. So I think changing from the word to competency because I'm never going to know what's going to be what it's like to be black like ever and you're never mm -hmm. going to know what it's like to be queer unless you have an in chat with yourself Something maybe you do let me let me like lay that on her I'm so sorry already it's I'm like being, time to come out the closet no, I'm, I'm already being shitty sorry <laughs> Malia. um well I wanted to I was thinking about like vertical identity versus horizontal identity have you ever heard of that term no, before explain. okay so my sister when she graduated from uh when she got her PsyD the, one of her teachers gave them all a book called um, Far from the Tree or the Apple and the Tree or something like that. Okay. It's about vertical identities and horizontal. And horizontal identity is when you're all kind of the same. Like if you're a black person and you're born into a black family or a white family or a Czechoslovakian family or whatever, um, that's kind of like, you know, defined by race or culture, then you are kind of like those people, right? So yeah. like, so like your parents would know how to deal with your hair because you have mm -hmm. black hair because they have black hair, right? Yeah. Okay. That would not be true if it was a biracial family perhaps that would be more of a vertical identity. Maybe their hair would be different or something would be different and they would need to learn how to do things differently. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So also for queer, like I wasn't born to a family of queer people. Yeah. That's a vertical identity. Okay. If I was straight, that would be a horizontal identity. I'm the same as everybody else. Okay. But vertical is like I'm growing or I'm in a different, excuse me, I was like picking my nose. I'm different than my peers or my community. Okay. Right. So when we think about, competency culturally that's maybe not ever going to happen but maybe a cultural awareness or sensitivity yeah right is a better way to say that yeah i yeah. like that better it makes sense and didn't we met at north houston birth center right you and me yes we were doing nrp together okay let me tell you this shit <laughs> so um malia you were like what 17 i was 19 well yeah. i thought you were 17 i looked young <laughs> yeah so um we're taking nrp and mm -hmm. We go to get in the elevator, and a woman wouldn't get in the elevator with us. Yeah. And she said, I don't like elevators. Yeah. It's weird. weird. It's weird. 
right? So then you're like, mm -hmm. go off on your merry way. And yeah. she comes and finds me and she tells me, I wasn't going to get in the elevator with a black person. Y'all. Because I will give her a decision. I thought I was gonna flip my everlasting fucking shit. I was like, what? What, you know, and this woman, I was like so angry. Like, I'm so angry just still talking about it. how many years ago was that? Five? Or I'm still mad. Still mad. Still angry. Still so angry. Like, yes. it, it just takes my breath away. And so that same day, like, I didn't, I didn't want to say, God, this person's such a fucking douche. What I'd said instead, I think I texted you and I said, hey, if there's anything I can ever do. I feel like I, no, you said that to me in person. Oh, okay. I remember being like, whoa, who's this person? She said to me, if there's anything I can ever do to help you, like if there's any way that I can, your exact words, if there's any way I can use my white privilege to help you, you let me know. And I was looking at her like, whoa, somebody who like one, acknowledged white privilege to me and then offered the help. And she doesn't know me at all. Like she didn't know me at all. It's the first day we ever met. And I was amazed, shocked and amazed. Mm. And it made my whole day. Really? Um, yeah, it made my whole day. And I told my family, I was like, yo, birth work is great. There's this girl <laughs> I met. White lady. And I was brand new. I was brand new. I knew yeah. absolutely nothing with my first NRP class. And so I was like, wow, birth work is great. There's this random lady. She barely knows me at all. And she told me that she would use her white privilege to help me anytime I needed. Isn't that great? Like, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. And I think maybe I wouldn't use the word, like, let me use my white privilege because it's so gross, you know? Like, yeah. I would probably frame that differently now, but I would still mean yeah. the same thing. How could well, I? Well, at the time you were riled up i was because you know i was so that's how we met yeah 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 so vertical identity horizontal identity and today we want to talk a little bit about um queer competency and queer is like a blanket term for folks who um are either lesbian gay transgender intersex um asexual probably forgetting something lgbtqia if i'm forgetting you it's not intentional and I have friends in all those categories, you know? Yeah. Um, most recently, well, just to back up, like, I wanted to be a midwife when I was uh, in high school. I knew that I wanted to be a midwife. Mm. But I didn't know the word midwife then, you know? Yeah. Um, so, anyway, fast forward to when I figured out what a midwife was. That was the early 90s. But, like, by then I was already married to Carolyn, and people were, you know, like, I couldn't be out about being with Carolyn. And we had all these kids because people were going to file and take our kids. Oh. Yeah, CPS will take your kids if you're gay in the 90s. Wow. Wow. Well, times have changed. So, you know, when you think about, like, whose grandmother was actually remember slavery, and we're like, oh, shit, that wasn't that long ago? Yeah. Same thing with, like, people could have filed and taken my kids in the 90s because I was gay. Wow. And people would That's often think that me being queer and lesbian was the same as being lascivious or a child molester. But. What? Yeah. Because we're not asking our our heterosexual parents if they're molesting their children of the opposite sex. Like, we're not concerned about that, per se. Like, for any reason other than if there's something else, like, you know, this kid acts like somebody who's been abused, molested. But yeah. we're not, like, yeah. off the bat. That's really crazy. Yeah. So that's why it took me till now to become a midwife as opposed to 20 years ago. I never knew that, Rowan. Wow. Oh. You learn things. Right. So when uh, Shannon Stellhorn accepted me as her student, people took her, other midwives in this community who admitted to other midwives, took her to lunch to ask her, what would Jesus do? Is that a Christian thing to do to have Rowan to be one of your students? Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. People that I have to sit and look at at GHMA. Yeah, that is. But you're so gracious. 
I'm glad that you think that. So um, I try every day, you know, I meditate and stuff, but I have this red hair and it makes me crazy sometimes. It just zero to 60. So things that don't happen anymore, like nobody asks you who's the man typically. Like people used to ask me that, like when I was with a per partner. You're a man of your father? Oh, in the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Which like, one of you is the man? I mean, what does that mean? Like who takes out the trash? I mean, like, yeah. what type of shit is that? Um, so I think. Oh, you know, I ran into somebody who I helped. Um, well, actually, they're a patient of Jackie's. But I ran into him at the Chase Building because I, I work in uh, the Chase Building in Houston and uh, in off Alameda Street. And I was like, oh, hey, I helped you guys have your baby. And she goes, yeah, you gave me my baby, my baby her first shot. And I was like, oh, okay, well, it was vitamin K. It's kind of a good idea. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but she's black and her partner is white. Um, but they go through IVF and they have their babies here with Jackie. Mm -hmm. And so you'll find a lot of queer couples seek out midwifery care. And trans men especially seek out midwifery care. Really? Yeah, because they want, you know, like if there's something called misgendering. So if like, you know, a trans man introduces himself as like, you know, whatever, let's say Tony, and then everybody says she, she, she about Tony. Mm -hmm. Like if they're not listening to your wishes about what pronoun you want to be used, how are they going to listen to your wishes about oh. birth, right? Yeah. So it's our job as midwives, like, you know, 20 years ago, you maybe knew a gay person, but you didn't know a trans person. But now 20 more years, everybody's going to know a trans person. Yeah. You know, like that's how things are changing, right? Yeah. So I think it's important as midwives that we have our like shit together. And if you're like a conservative Christian midwife who wants to say people are confused and whatever bullshit, then carry right on. But you're going to get left behind. Yeah. You, you know are. what I mean? You really are. Yeah. Because everyone, it's, everyone is changing even down to like our children our children are no longer like they're not talking like us or thinking like us about things anymore it is no. completely normal for them to think that uh, people that are different than them exist and so you will literally go extinct yeah you'll get left behind you know yeah. and if that's who you are that's fine but if that's not who you are yeah yeah okay so um i'm gonna superimpose on this uh three places that you can take a course that gives you cultural competency or cultural, you know, like right steps in the direction mm -hmm. um, for um, lesbian and queer support. Right. So okay. I came up with three things because I realized even for myself, I'm gay, but that doesn't make me the best, most competent queer provider. Mm. I made lots of stupid mistakes. Like I have a friend named Dr. Colt and I was going to present about scar tissue at this work at this, uh, the trans Philly health conference. And I wrote, like I was trying to be inclusive and I just like totally screwed it up. And they were like, this lady's terrible and stuff. And then um, Colt had to write a letter for me. And he's like, no, no, really. And um, all of Rowan's partners have been gender fluid. And I was like, oh, I guess you're right. You know, like, you know, didn't even realize yeah. that stuff about myself. Hmm. So just because, you know, I'm gay doesn't make me the best gay provider or provider for, you know, a queer community. And just because you're black, I guess it makes you the better provider. I don't know. Do you feel like, I mean, do you have to, do you feel like, let me ask a question instead of laying my trip on you. Um, do you <laughs> think you need to take a, a course on black providership or do you feel like, is um, it different? Is it the same? How's it? It is different. I don't feel like I need to take a course. And I also don't agree with that. Um, because you're black, you should have a black provider. thing. I think as each person, we should make a choice about what is most important to us. So even, Oh, okay. That's from a good a, combo. Uh -huh. Yeah. From a queer perspective, if, if I'm queer, but what I identify with most about who I am is that I'm black, mm -hmm. then I may prefer a black provider to a queer provider. And that's not that I'm not both of these things, mm -hmm. but that's just what's going to connect with me best, what's going to make me feel most comfortable. And so that's not always just because you're black doesn't mean you necessarily feel most comfortable with your black provider. Like if you grew up in a different type of place where you weren't around any black people and that's not really 
you know like sure you're black but you feel most comfortable around asian people because you lived on a military base in tokyo then that's what you want to do like you want to feel comfortable that's a good point that's a good point yeah yeah because i live i deliberately pick where i live and areas i go because of the community i want to surround myself around and i grew up in el paso so i'm better off talking to my neighbors in my terrible spanish and you know, like, I just culturally feel better yeah. in a um, Hispanic or, you yeah. know, Mexican environment. And I want to say for the super Christian midwives, we do want to support the idea that we all accept one another mm-hmm. for our lifestyles and what we want to do. And so with that being said, there may be lots of people who identify most with their religion. And so whether they're queer or not, whether they're black or any other minority group or not, they just really, really want a provider who has the same religion as them and understands their spirituality. And so you'll have a place with those people. And it'd be great if you could accept the other ways that they're different, you know, and find common ground. But that's true. That's true. And midwifery has been really dominated by like white cisgender, um, heteronormative, married, you know, middle-aged white women for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And a lot of Christian too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's okay. Like I remember one time somebody hired me because when she was having I was I was getting hired as a doula, but when she hired me before, um, when she was pushing her baby out, they had like she was a super conservative Jewish woman. Mm-hmm. And uh they had been like laying out little pamphlets on our dining room table for her kids to read. Oh. Yeah. Oh. The the provider did. So okay. yeah, don't do that. That's not yeah, cool. That's not- Hey y'all, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get right back to it. Okay. All right. So I wanted to tell you about what happened at AABC, which is Association of American Birth Centers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they had a panel, they had three rooms um, one day and they had three rooms a second day. Do you want to like make the air not so cold? I'm so cold. Yeah. And Rowan is like, I'm hot. Yeah. It just clicked off. So it's okay. okay. It's off now. But if you're wondering why I look very like rigid or why I'm shaking, it's because I'm cold. I'm sure Rowan feels me next to her Mm, I'm like sharing my, my I'm frozen like, board. Okay. So I'm at AABC and on one day they have three rooms, three breakout rooms, and then the next day they're all going to be together. One is a POC room, people of color. One is mm-hmm. queer people. And then the third room is allies. Okay. So I'm in the queer room with my friends, Patty Garcia and Jessica Gonzalez, who they're both my friends and they're both um, people of color. Okay. So then nobody really shows up to the, the queer group. So they bounce and they go to POC. Okay. All right. So then my sister and I are sitting in the queer room and then a woman comes up and she's white and she's like, her life is melting down. So, um, we like have a real good combo. It was good. So the next day we're supposed to all be together and I go in and all the white allies roll in and then the black community rolls or people of color come in and I'm there. And then there's one white midwife who comes in and says, well, I'm lesbian, but everything's fine. And I don't know why we need to talk about this. And so then the white allies start talking to the people of color, how they can be better allies. And then the people of color start telling them how the white allies can be better for them. Mm-hmm. And like, even right now, I want to cry about it, you know? So where was I? You know, like yeah. not seen again, not seen again. And mm-hmm. so I just was like, because I tried to say something when this white midwife who hadn't been at the one yesterday or the previous day, she hadn't bothered to come to that. She only came to the, second one to like tell everybody how you know being a lesbian was fine and we didn't need to talk about it and okay yeah and I was like well that's not my story and then she was like well whatever you know like and she's kind of dismissive and overpowering in personality anyway and I just felt like I couldn't say to maybe like 15 people of color and then the 20 white allies like I couldn't 
I didn't feel like strong enough to say, wait, 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 wait. Like I've been marginalized as fuck over this. Yeah. And but I didn't want to take away from what was already going down, you know, like it was a tricky situation. Mm-hmm. So I just got up and left. And so then I was crying and then like all you know, quietly. And then when I started losing my shit in the lobby, then both no, then Jessica saw me and she was like, wait a minute, what's happening here? Because she was walking over to the group. Mm-hmm. And then Patty came later and said that one of the women who was black said, you know, but wait, we never even talked about how to help queer folks or how to be more confident with queer folks. And I don't have any idea how to even start that. Okay. So it just like, and I'm not here to have a contest about like who gets the dick over more, you know? Yeah. But it was Because that's not what it is about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Emphasis mm-hmm. on not. Yeah. We are all, we all experience marginalization one way or another. And it's important that we help shine the light on each person's struggle, I guess, you know, is the best way I can think to say it, you know? So I'm not a native person, but it's very important that if I see something happening to native people, I say something because as somebody who's part of a minority group anyway, I need allies who aren't part of my minority group to speak up on what's going on with us because that's where the power is. The whole point about being a marginalized group is that you don't have the power to talk about what's happening to you, you know? Yeah. So we need to all look out for each other. There's unity in, in that. Right. Right. Which is why I asked Rowan to do this um, talk about caring for the queer community. Cause there's only two out queer midwives in Houston. There's two? I thought it was just you. You know what? I'm not going to say who the other person is because maybe she's not out. I know she's or out he. to me. Yeah. They, they are they. out to me. Okay. They. But um, yeah, you know, I don't know. Well, so I'm not going to yeah. say anything. Um, but there's other several midwives who are not out, who are queer, who like are shitty hmm. me now. Thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks. Um, <laughs> um, mm. You know, everybody works through whatever they got to work through, mm-hmm. but you know, like I don't need it. And and how disheartening is that, that they don't feel safe to be out? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. It's yeah. upsetting. It's upsetting. And I think if you are, if you're a supporter, if you're an ally, let that be known. Shout it from the rooftops. Like, don't only say it when you're in a private setting with someone who's part of that group, but really shout it from the rooftops. Let everyone know. And being an ally means that you love and support this group so much just like any other group to where there is no like concern about what if people don't like me anymore because I stand up for different people I've seen that a lot a lot of fellow students like I had a one of my best friends who's a midwifery student and she went to work with a different preceptor in a different state and the preceptor said me taking you on I'm going to lose clients and so I have to decide whether that's worth it for me it's like, no, if you're an ally, then you truly believe this and you act like one mm-hmm. for without care of whether you're going to lose clients or not. Because frankly, those types of people, you know, are maybe not the people that you should have in your practice anyway. Yeah. I know that for me, like I had to um, not act gay, like in every mm. preceptorship I've had, like, um, like I had to tone it down. Like I couldn't say gay stuff or I couldn't, like there were parts of myself that I had to turn in kind of like. You know, and for me, it was less about not being gay and more about, like, I'm working for somebody else, mm. you know? Yeah. Like, I'm not supposed to say fuck. I'm not supposed to have a tank top on. I'm not supposed to only wear black. <laughs> Too bad. Right. <laughs> and to a certain degree, that's always there. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Unless you're self-employed. And then you can do what you want until it's your money's not coming in your pocketbook. And then you're like, oh, what do I have to change, right? Yeah. Right. Like, um, uh, where I work now, they're like, well, it's after, um, oh, it was 
I forget when it was. It was like the summer was coming. And so Kathy Vergeisen, who's my um, practice partner at North Houston and my uh, <laughs> preceptor thought, she goes, well, summer's coming, so we're not going to wear black anymore. And I was like, I got news for you. <laughs> Is there a season for black? Well, <laughs> 24-7, 365. Right. That's right. what we got here. Um, yeah. But I remember, like, with Shannon, like, I would figure out what patients of hers would not be comfortable with me, and I would not go to their births because I didn't want to hear something retroactively about how I had either mm. mishandled something or, you know, like, I just don't, I'm not going to get... St- I'm not going to get strung out to dry over stuff, you know, like I was, and it was always like, you know, you're sure they wouldn't be okay. I'm like, they're not going to be okay. And so like Shannon and I would navigate that together, Hmm. you know, and some people figured out that I was queer and some people didn't because it just isn't on their radar. But those are the people like, you know, I don't want to have, they don't need to find out afterwards, you know? Um, So I just um, recuse myself. And then with Jackie, I just tried to be like real chill, you know, but I got to say that Shannon taking me on, let Jackie know that her patients would be mostly okay with me, but I never had a single preceptor say that they don't like you too bad for them. Never once had that. That would be lovely. Like if someone said, if they don't like you too bad for them, that would be really great because Mm -hmm. you're setting a precedent Mm -hmm. that this is not a place for that, that it's a safe place for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's what it should be a safe place for everyone. And in order to make it that, everyone needs to know that and follow that understanding and role of respecting. So that's whether you're Christian, atheist, queer, black, short, tall, big, little, mm-hmm. like, it needs to be set. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. does. I don't like what more drops the mic. Yeah. It needs to be set. Yeah. And what's the message there that it's okay to take queer couples, but it's not okay to have a queer provider? Mm. You yeah. know? And that's, okay, so we were both at the MANA conference in, was it November? It was this month? Mm-hmm. We, just, we were there like three <sighs> weeks ago. That is my life. Anyways, we were both there, and it was a lot about sustainability, but there was a, a big section at the end of the conference um, where there was this panel of a, a community activists and these two African-American midwives. We were all talking about sustainability in underserved communities, and it seemed to just be very much about this people of color community, but there are lots of underserved communities and it's not just people of color. Yes, Rowan. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that we really have to talk about is that everyone wants to ask you, how can I make myself more appealing to these underserved communities? Mm-hmm. You know, meaning black communities, meaning, you know, low income communities, meaning queer communities. And it's not about making yourself appealing. It's about making yourself valuable. So we don't want to be tricked. We don't want you to, right. Right? We don't right. want you to put some pretty pictures up on the wall of a lesbian couple and some brown faces over there and then smile at us. We want you to truly be valuable. Come to where we congregate. Get to know our struggles and what we face and what we think about and what we worry about. Ask us. Ask us how we feel. So what I will say um, about the Addison, it's something that I love, is all of my, my boss and all my coworkers especially my boss, Candace, and she's the owner of the Addis. I love her to pieces. She called me after our second interview and she said, you said something because I want to dye my hair purple. And she and I was trying to figure out if that was going to be okay. <laughs> I got pink up here on the top. Mm-hmm. See, exactly. I want to experiment with my life and I was trying to figure out if that was going to be okay. I might get a septum piercing. You know, I want to do some things. I'm 23. Be expressive. So yeah. And I was trying to figure out if that was going to be okay there um, because I had the same perspective that I think a lot of people have of the Addis which is that it's very cute and it's very clean and it's very, you know. Very white. That, that's yeah. what we're saying here. 
but she called me after I left and she said, you know what? And she just got straight to it. I want you to know, like, I want to know if you feel comfortable, like answer me honestly. Don't worry about my feelings. I want to know if you feel comfortable, if you would feel comfortable being part of our team. And if you didn't, what we could do to change that. And like, I just want you to know that this is a conversation you can always have with any of oh us. My, oh, fucking fuck. That's great. And it was fantastic. And so I just wanted to, you know, take the chance to open that up. For Odyssey's, right if you're watching this, I'm, or right. Candace, I'm like, my it was amazing. perception view is getting stronger and higher. It was amazing. And, and I was, I was worried about those things, you know, cause I was a FUA student. I'd been a FUA student off and on some from 2015. Mm-hmm. So that's very different. You know, it's a completely, like Rowan said, it's completely people of color practice. Mm-hmm. And most of our clientele is people of color. It's pretty diverse, but you know, and we're in third ward, which is black community. Mm-hmm. And so I was worried. I was worried about code switching. I was worried about, you know, will the clients accept me? You know, all of these things. Will I fit in with my coworkers? you know? Mm-hmm. And when she called and did that, it was the most, like, it moved me completely to tears. That's fantastic. And it made me feel like, oh my God, I could work at this place and I could be myself. And when people of color come here for care, I could look at them with a light heart and say, yeah, you're here in a place where people aren't judging you and where they're going to love you and give you the same high standard of care that they give everyone else. And I love them for that. And as I've been there, every single one of them is like that. Every single right one of them. on right on yeah this is such a refreshing conversation it was wonderful and then it turned my eye into my own self why did I think they wouldn't be why did I think they wouldn't accept me because they're blonde because they're cute no that doesn't make any sense and it's not fair the other way either Hmm, that's a good right okay exploring our internal biases right because I'm the same thing because you know everybody there is like a size 10 or less and they're all white with high blonde ponytails or whatever and I'm Mm. like because uh, that's another thing like the size bias right yeah 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 like that i'm like three times the size of malia she's sitting on a pillow so that she looks the same <laughs> height as me um so like i'm larger than life and almost every direction right and so like it's so often like i'll go places and like the furniture is um you know like it doesn't fit right or like mm. you know like it's just hard to maneuver in a body that's not you know like Anyway. What people expect to see. Right. I'm sorry, I keep kicking this table. Or, unlike the, even those cute ass shoes, like, those don't come in my big man foot size. <laughs> anyway, so there's a size bias thing, right? So, like, I've mm-hmm. never seen anybody any size different than, you know, like kind of a, a tall or like a petite, like, white woman or like a slender white woman, you yeah. know? So, a lot of like size bias goes in that too. And there's a lot of size bias in midwifery too. Yes, absolutely. There's so much size bias in midwifery. And it drives me crazy because it's part of, our medical standard, like yeah, yeah. ACOG and all of them, they have all these arbitrary, no, I mean, I call them arbitrary. Mm-hmm. They have all these numbers that are based on who friggin' knows. But from what I've seen in practice, like, so Afua will be the first one to say that. She'll be like, I'm a curvy girl, I'm a plus side girl. She'll be the first one to say it. And so she's had lots of clients that are bigger and that lots of other care providers would say, oh, we need a C-section. Oh, we have to do all this stuff because you're obese and blah, blah, blah. What do they call them? They, call, they say something. They're high risk. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. They're high risk and there are all these problems. And they give birth like rock stars. Right. Like just as capable as anyone else. And it doesn't make any sense because we're doing this generalization again. We're mm-hmm. generalizing people again. Mm-hmm. It's like, just stop. Everyone is different. Gosh. Right. Well, and I'm in a lot of those like in Facebook, like those plus size pregnancy groups mm-hmm. and stuff. And first of all, like, there's a lot of people who are unhealthy there. Being fat or not fat does not make a difference on your health. 
thing. There's something called health at every size. Have you heard of that? It's mm-hmm. H-A-E-S, health at every size. And so the idea that what size you are doesn't predict how healthy you are. But people think that, oh, you know, like I'm, I'm a big fat woman and you're a small black woman. So yeah. um, therefore you must be way more healthier than me. Well, you're 20 years younger at least. So there's that. But, um, you know, which one of us went to water over today? Me. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> not me all i've done is eat nearly sleep okay so there you go um so when i have like fat clients or fat patients i'm like this is what i want you to do i need you to move your body every day Mm -hmm. your choices are a 30 minute walk old lady water aerobics or um, some part of mama strong Mm -hmm. right i need you to eat produce and protein every day yeah all right i need you to drink your water i need you to rest enough those are the agreements and if you don't do those things then I'm not the fit for you. I even tell my non-fat patients that, you know, like yeah. you have to have fitness every day. So like at the birth center, people come in and I'm like, so what are you doing for fitness? And they're like, fucking fuck, what? I'm like, yeah. you got to do something for fitness. But like I walk up and down the stairs, no. no. <laughs> right, no. this idea that fitness is part of midwifery care. I want you to be doing something for fitness every day because mm-hmm. I want you to have a healthy body because having a baby is no joke. Yeah. It, it takes effort. So like if you're fat and unhealthy, then I'm not the midwife for you. And if you're thin yeah. and unhealthy, I'm not the midwife for you. Because you can be thin and unhealthy. For like, sure. Thin doesn't mean you're strong. And in birth, we need like you mm-hmm. to be strong. We mm-hmm. need your heart to be used to working. We need your body to, to be used to doing things that under strain, basically. For a long time. Yeah, for a long time. And so whether you're big, fat, yellow, brown, like we need You've you. got to have your shit together, people. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have your shit together. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's my first curse word of the video. I'm excited. Oh, really? <laughs> I think I was like cursing like the first moment it turned on. Yeah. Yeah, and if you don't like a salty midwife, I'm not the girl for you. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, just so you know, I don't know what kind of midwife I am. We'll see you guys. Yeah, that's part of the whole journey, though, is figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see when I like get to work for myself. How I yeah. right now, I follow protocols. Okay. You know that Jewish or the Jewish patient I told you about when mm-hmm. she so when she's getting out of the birth tub she goes Jesus Christ like super loud because <laughs> we we're getting out of the tub and she was gonna start pushing when she got out of the tub I was like should you be saying that so I have a question for you okay. Rowan and it's something. I've seen, I've heard the different perspectives from the people of color community. I'm wondering if it's the same for other communities too. So like, you know, when there's the difference between when someone is totally trying to ignore who and what you are, Mm -hmm. you know, and so they're just pretending like it's not there and that's kind of terrible. And then there are sometimes when people want to address it, but the way that they address it is, is weird or strange, you know, when someone's like, oh, you're a lesbian? I have a friend who's a lesbian. You're like, oh, okay. Do you know this one friend in El Paso who's lesbian? <laughs> right? Do you, or, or when, you know, because you're a person of color, they think you know everybody of color. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're black. Do you know so-and-so? Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't. And so I want to ask you um, for what, it, and, and all these people say different things, women of size, curvy women, plus side women. We whatever. can just use the word fat. Okay. I know, because it's hard, you know, like if you've been told not to use the word fat, then sometimes it's hard. And so that's my question. But the fat fat is not the N-word. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. The word fat is not the N-word. Yeah. And if the fat makes people uncomfortable, then you could say a different word for them. But like, I don't care. Like, So then my question is, should we ask people, you know, like, 
is it how do you go about describing someone's size describing someone's sexuality mm. should you ask them how mm. they would prefer like what language they prefer yeah i think we always need to ask people what language they prefer okay right because i'm not sure do you want me to say black or african-american you can say black okay i think when people say african-american it's so extra right i'm not a queer american so yeah <laughs> i'm a queer american here in the united so states and I'm um, like, do we call the immigrant white americans like European we should Americans? we should european americans it's so weird <laughs> like no it's just i'm i'm black okay right and i'm white um oh and i wanted to lap around somewhere that um maybe one of the reasons i need a competency class and you don't for queer providers as opposed to black providers like you don't need to take a black provider one but i need to take mm-hmm. a queer provider one is because um i'm not a gay man i'm not a trans man mm-hmm. i'm not intersex i'm not asexual um you know so like i'm only the um the q in there Okay. And I say queer instead of lesbian um, because the last several partners I've had have been um, on the masculine side or transitioning or non-binary or whatever. And I myself am non-binary, so that's why I use the word queer and not lesbian. Although sometimes I'll say lesbian or gay or whatever, but queer is the term I prefer. Okay. So, and if somebody asked me, so um, you're considered medically obese, what words do you use? I would, you know, well, I wouldn't say medically obese. I'd say, oh, I'm a fat woman or I'm larger than life or amazonian or whatever just okay yeah just whatever yeah maybe see what they use i don't know it's see what they use i think that's one of the things about midwifery care is we always say like we ask people do you want me to say surges or waves or contractions Mm. right yeah that language because language matters yeah yeah so let's ask people let's ask people just like we ask them you know so your sex is female but your gender is what yeah right because the sex is what reproductive organs you have, but the gender is how you feel, you know, in between your ears. You've heard right. that before, what right? You identify as. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's more than, way more than two. We're oh, just yeah. like kind of trained to two. Yeah. yeah. We're trained to two, but there's more. Just like we're trained to you're black or white as opposed yeah. to Creole or whatever. Yeah. A lot of, and a lot of people want to differentiate like Afro Latinas. Oh my God. They're yeah. black. A lot of them look black but they don't want to that's not what they would prefer to be called they would prefer to be called afro-latina or afro-latino that's they're like that's what i am Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so you need to ask these questions yeah yeah and you know what um client care by the way um through a lot of like hand holding and role modeling has started letting you put different questions in the drop down menus for Um, like yeah client cares uh a medical records uh medical record electronic medical yeah electronic medical records um, um, platform that a lot of midwives use and mm-hmm. client care out of all of them has been the most responsive that's wonderful yeah. and yeah and if you meet the creator i mean i haven't met the creators yeah she was at nana she was that's the creator or she's just one of the i think she's one of the co-creators okay. yeah yeah she was really nice and somebody who i love who supports them is augustine colebrook oh yeah yeah and she but augustine supports us all just so you know no matter who you are augustine loves you Okay. <laughs> shout out to augustine <laughs> yeah yeah what else do we want to talk about um competency yeah just i mean and i'm totally at a loss which is why i wanted to ask mm-hmm. you to speak about this mm-hmm. i'm totally at a loss about how my behavior can change mm-hmm. to make people in that community feel more comfortable yeah yeah well um i'll put it up but there's three courses one of three courses you could take you know okay just like we do a lot of our stuff is online learning right okay yeah, yeah. and then also um you know, I'm not opposed to like coming in and like sitting in or helping or role playing or whatever, you know, like, okay. figure it out. Um, 
Yeah. And one thing you can do, like say that when you're a big fancy midwife and you have a queer couple, then I could come and assist. That would be lovely. Oh, okay. So absolutely. You see what I'm saying? Yes. There is nothing wrong with bringing in a different provider that you feel like will identify with that client. Yeah. Nothing wrong. So maybe that client really loves you. Like maybe you have a client, she really loves you, mm-hmm. loves you, doesn't want to leave you, but she's kind of like, ah. and you're like, cool, let me call Francis, LaMonica, Afua, Malia, like Stephanie, let mm-hmm. me call somebody and see if they just want to do the birth with me. Mm-hmm. They want to do the care with me. Mm-hmm. So that this person can feel mm-hmm. completely represented and supported. Yeah. Yeah. Francis has um, a patient. Francis is black. Um, Francis has a patient who's delivering in January, who's a white patient, I think. And well, Francis, and I like each other a lot anyway, cause she's great. But, um, yeah, so I'm assisting her and stuff and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it works. Like there's nothing wrong with community care. Mm-hmm. It should be, mm-hmm. there should be. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about us being networked and really knowing each other's heart. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I just did, um, I hosted an NPR training with Karen Strange and I could see the people in the room who are actually listening and paying attention. Um, NR, did I say NPR's NRP, neonatal resuscitation. And I was looking at the people in that room knowing who would I call to help me in this room. Mm. And then who would I not, who was really alert, who was in it, who was really practicing, who was like on top of stuff. Um, Deshaun was there yeah. and Deshaun was like, all right, let's go, you know? Yeah. And I was really looking at the people next to me who were on their phone the whole time, who didn't care and was like mm. blowing it off or being dismissive or late or whatever. Mm. Never, ever. Right. So now that you're like being, you know, not like watched, but <clears throat> I feel like I'm always team building, right? Like I always want to know who would be on the best team for this each patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really smart. That's really smart. So with, are there any things in the community that are just re- one of the really big things that y'all are facing or that you think about? Or that oh I'll tell you something right okay. fucking now okay if I come in if you like had a queer patient come in and you were eating chick-fil-a uh, that's a deal breaker for me mm. I know queer people who eat at chick-fil-a yeah. and I don't understand it and I can't get behind it and if that's for them that's one of the things I have to walk away from mm. but like if you are like I would never ever you know be eating lunch or like ask like at your birth hey do you want to um you know like for us to call out at whatever yeah. to um, some place that didn't support or that I knew had like done terrible things to black people. Yeah. I would never say, Oh, that's where we're getting our food from. Yeah. You know, do you want some? Oh yeah. My gosh. Yeah. Oh, well that's okay. where we're going. You I know? can see how that could be. You really know, so expensive. like, yeah. So you need to know like what are big deal breakers for queer community? Just like I hope to know. And if I'm not doing something right, I need you to tell me. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not eating there anymore. Oh, okay. Noted. Next. Okay. Okay. You know, like things like that. Um, because that that sends a message that that you're not really there and i have a good friend who um works at a chick-fil-a and runs it and she swears that her place like that is not like that but i don't know you know and i also don't know like if my you know if i had three kids and i need to like hustle food on the table what would i do i I don't know that either but i know that in a business setting that if you are you know eating food or supporting an industry or something that doesn't support your patients that sends a, a conflicting message. Yeah. Which, and we know conflicting messages show up in birth, like, you yeah. know, during the actual labor and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Totally and completely. And I think one of the big things too is, and it's something that 
everyone at the Addis had said to me. They were like, if you see anything that we're doing that could be improved upon mm-hmm. or that's not very culturally competent, absolutely speak up. We are so eager to hear it. Do they only have white people on all their pictures on the wall? No. Okay. No, they don't, which okay. I've looked at. I was like, mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. But um, no, they don't. And it was, that was fantastic because you have to be, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. All of it is really uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but you have to be willing to humble yourself and receive people's input. And you have to set the space up to let them give it. Yeah. So they could be really uncomfortable at something that I may say at some point about anything. Yeah. But they've already accepted that that is necessary and they want that. So if you're eating Chick-fil-A and someone, and you didn't know, and someone says, oh, well, you know that they did this to the queer community, then just accept that. Humble yourself. You don't need to feel all guilty and be like, oh, God. They'll be like, okay, now I know. Now right. I can make a different choice. Right. Thank well, you my, for sharing. You know what my dad did the other day? He, um, this is like three months, three weeks ago, four, six weeks ago. Oh, so my dad, um, he almost died. It was bad. And so um, the day he got extubated, he was like eating popsicles and stuff. And he goes, politics aside, you know what I could really like eat right now? And I was like, what? And he goes, well, it's a lemon icy from Chick-fil-A. Like, we're, okay, we're in an ICU room, right? The nurse is over there typing. And so then I'm like, Dad, Dad, do you know what conversion therapy is? And if you don't know what conversion therapy is, look it up. And I was like, um, did you ever want to do that to me? And he was like, God, no. And I was like, then how can it be okay for us to, to eat and put our money in a place that still funds that? Mm. What do you say? And he was like, I think he started to cry because he got upset. You know, then I feel terrible. My dad almost died. And now I make a big deal about Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what do you do? And so, and you can just hear the nurse typing. You know, this is not happening. So then, oh my God. So then I was like, let's see if Betty, my stepmother, will go through. And she was in the drive-thru for Chick-fil-A right then, conveniently enough. So she got it. And then she brought it to him. And she told me, well, you don't know what you're missing. This is my life. This is my life. Um, so, and I was like, well, of course it's fine because they don't do that to straight children. They do it to gay children. Yeah. You know? And so would it be okay if they just did that to black children? Hell no. Yeah. Would, they, would it be, you know, um, Dolly Parton, you know, who's a small idol, who is not unproblematic, but we're all problematic because we're here on earth trying to work our stuff Every out. Every single one of us. But um, Dolly Parton, she has this like cheesy um, lifetime special um, thing called Heartstrings. It's on okay. Netflix. Okay. <laughs> Well, the first one I watched last night was about Jolene, and I thought it was going to be so good. I thought Jolene was really going to make a play for the wife instead of the man, but it didn't turn mm-hmm. out that way. But then today was two doors down, they're laughing and singing a party. Know. You don't know that song? Your cultural competency with Dolly Parton is dismal. Okay, we're going to have to step our, step our game up Was that here. the chorus? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. I don't well, know. Well, at least I know who she is. Okay, that's good. That's good. So she had a thing, Two Doors Down was the um, song, and they had a little, like, uh, you know, after school special type movie about it or whatever. Okay. It was an hour, and it was about a gay, gay son. Oh. And I'm telling you right there, if you want to see my life, it is right there. It is right mm. there without the happy ending at the end. So, oh. like, for the rest of my life, my family will not want me to be around. Um, my nieces unsupervised. Um, like, I went to um, the Renaissance Festival with my dad a couple of years, well, it was about 10 years ago now, and there was a woman in a corset, and she was, like, dying. It was so hot, and I don't know if you ever worn a corset, but it's really, yeah, it's terrible. Ha- it's terrible, especially if it's muggy. And so I just looked at this woman, and my dad goes, oh, Betty told me we're not supposed to look at, do that together. And I was like, what? 
he goes, we're not to look at somebody's boobs. And I was like, what? I'm not looking at her boobs. I'm like having commiserating because she. Because you're like, man, that thing is a trap and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get my scissors and get you out of there because you might, you know, die. Yeah. An asthma attack or something. You know, so this is the kind of shit that still goes down. That's. Hmm. And so, and this is my, you know, my parents are both, well, my mom's dead, but my dad and my stepmother, they're educated people, they're whatever, and they're just deeply entrenched in this stuff. So, and yeah. this is like my educated, this is not like, you know, backwoods, white trash, whatever. Yeah. Which is not kind of say anyway, sorry, my backwoods, white trash family. But, you know, like, they're not, you know, these are we educated, these are educated <laughs> people that should, you know, like, yeah, think this through logically, right? And they're still saying this to me, their child. So. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult. It's very difficult to, because all the time I say things and I'm like, reflecting upon them later i'm like god why would you say that Mm -hmm. like you don't say that and so it's very hard to consider every group every time Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's hard but i think just being humble and definitely trying no matter what because there there are these things called microaggressions oh yeah talk about that talk about that and we let them out all the time Mm -hmm. we like i wouldn't even task you to try to stop yourself from doing it 100 percent of the time because it's not even a thing like i don't know i try really hard and still, sometimes I say things like, oh, crap, should have said that. And then you're up late at night going, what was I thinking? Yeah. Should I send a text? Should I try and make it better? Should we just keep moving forward? Yeah. Do I just, how Is do I? Is it worse if I bring it back up? Yes. Oh, you know that time <laughs> when I said that thing, oh, that you didn't actually hear me say, but now we're all talking about? Great. Yeah. yeah. And then you're like, am I causing you more pain by bringing it back up to you and be like, oh, I said this thing. I'm sorry. And then I'm already crapping on myself all night because I'm like, gosh, you said that. You're such an idiot. Ugh. But so one, grace for ourselves, grace for each other. But microaggressions are a thing. And so if someone has a response to something you say, let's just go ahead and nip it in the bud right now. So if you say to someone, I don't know, help me think of an example of microaggression for, for the queer community. Oh, um, by the way, can I just say queer community? Is that fine? Yeah. Or do yeah. I have to say all the letters? No, I think queer community. Okay, great. Unless somebody says, oh, that doesn't fit for me. And then you're like, well, what's the word that you want me to say? Okay. Yeah. I'm queer. just using that so I can only say one word, you guys. Not, yeah. because, I'm, not because I'm not aware. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, continue. Um, one time we were sent in a baby home and, uh, they didn't want to use the pink blanket cause it might, cause it was a boy and it might make the okay. baby ba- gay. Okay. There we go. That's <laughs> an example. So if you say something like that and then, you know, the room, feel the room, you guys, <laughs> somebody in the room is like, somebody makes a face, a noise. It's obviously uncomfortable. Please just address it right now. Let's well, just- what I said was like, I don't think it works that way. that's great and it's okay like there is absolutely no shame in admitting your fault in that moment I was at um a visit once with a client and the partner husband was like you know I've always wanted a little black baby and of course everyone got silent because no one in this room is black except for me and so it just feels a baby black no Nobody. Why was he Nobody there was black except for me. He was sitting there with his white wife and their white baby and his white parents and everyone in the room is white except for me. And so I don't. What is this like some weird handmaid's tale bullshit? I don't know. I don't know what he was trying to do. I'm sure he had decent intentions, but I don't know what he was trying to do. But it wasn't. And then we just kept going. Like instead of abandoning ship and being like, mm, that was weird. I'm sorry. Was that weird? We just kept going down a path. And it became even more and more outlandish until eventually I was like, well, let's just save this. Let me just save everyone from themselves and move on to something different. And so it's never 
bad to say, was that weird? I'm sorry. Stop it. Let's just, let's just pretend I didn't and move on. Oh, I said something stupid to somebody the other day where um, we have this thing called on Thanksgiving, it's bad movie night. Mm. Um, so it's like the 10th annual bad movie night. Okay. And so one of my hooping friends is named Darby and she's black. And most of my Hooper friends are like, I have Hooper friends that are people of color. One of my partners is, uh, two of my partners are people of color. They're both Hispanic, mm. but, um, we were there. And so I was talking about bad movie night that we wanted to go and watch Harriet, but we wanted to watch it at a place where we could talk about it afterwards. Okay. And Harriet's not a bad movie. It's just, we're just watching it on bad movie night. So, and I said, you know, cause we want to talk about it cause it'll bring up feelings and, there'll be a lot of situation. And I was like, Oh, and you know what? My feelings are going to be probably very different from yours. And, and then I just kept like making more and more stupid comment. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. I just was fumbling, you know, yeah. I'm fumbling. And I was like, Darby, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to lay my trip on you. I'm just making a mistake here. And I want there to be space for us to all sit and talk about it. Cause it's going to be for me, terribly upsetting. And I can imagine that it might be for you. So I was trying to be sensitive, but I was just like yeah. fumbling. So then I dialed back told her, I'm sorry for anything that I might be doing wrong. And that I was you know, just, yeah. sorry. And then I stopped, stopped talking, Rowan. And then Darby was like, Hey dude, I feel you. And yeah, it's good. We're going to talk about it. And it's, you know, like she was okay. Yeah. Whatever. But I had to like apologize and then stop talking. Yeah. For and the person who makes the microaggressions, just stop. That's okay. It's okay too, to just stop talking, to just, st- even if you don't want to apologize, even if you don't want to admit that this was maybe not the best thing to say, it's okay to also just stop talking. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Well, the time with the blanket. So um, it was actually with Jackie. And then Jackie comes walking in. She goes, well, Rowan, are you mad at me? <laughs> after <laughs> after the blanket situation, because you yeah. like walked him out with the blanket. Yeah. And then um, are you mad at me? And I was like, no, Jackie, because one, you don't care. And two, there have been lots of times I've been in the pride parade and you've been yelling, wanting beads from the side. You do not care, you know? Yeah. And then later, every time we would go to a birth and like there were, it was a boy, I would try and hand her a pink blanket. like Just, <laughs> just to be funny. Just be like, let's see. <laughs> Such a troublemaker. Well, and here's the thing for me, like humor has been a way to diffuse things for a long time. Yeah. A long yes. time. Like if you can come up with some like humorous one-liners or whatever, I think that's, that's a way to do it. I did mm. want to say like I delivered a baby. I didn't deliver. I helped somebody deliver a baby and they were like super darkly complected, lots of melanin. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing the, the newborn exam, I just noticed how dark this baby was and how, and most babies aren't super dark when they're born. They yeah. like kind of dark up a little bit later as they get exposed to sunlight or I don't know what the process yeah. is. But so just so you know, African-American babies aren't born. Like we're not just all born super dark, as dark as we're going to be in life. That's yeah. how it works. Right. Just so you know. Yeah. And so, but this baby was like already really dark. And so I was doing the newborn exam and I was like, oh my gosh, look how dark you are. You look great and stuff. And then I thought maybe, maybe they might've thought that I said the word darky because I was like the way oh. I said my sentences mm-hmm. and I was talking like cutesy voice and stuff. Yeah. And it was, you know, three in the morning and stuff. And I was like, yeah. please Ron, do not have said that word. But then I was just like, you're just so beautiful. And then the baby started to cry. I was like, oh, we're not going to talk about it anymore. How dark you are and beautiful, you know, and, and then the dad said, I really hoped I had a super dark baby. And then I looked at both of them and I hadn't met them before I helped mm-hmm. them deliver. And they were both like super melanated. I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, well, you guys look great. This baby looks great, you know? And, mm-hmm. but then like stop Rowan, because I don't need to be talking about how beautiful their blackness is, you know, yeah. like I need to say my little compliment yeah. and then keep moving here. Yeah. And there's, there's like a happy medium. So I've been in situations where people aren't saying anything or mm-hmm. where they're saying offensive things. 
and you're like, okay, this is terrible. And I've also been in a situation where everyone wants to try so hard to let you know that they think you're great and like to just like, they really, really are trying very hard. Mm. And it's very sweet, but it can sometimes be equally uncomfortable. Well, kind of like when tell, people tell me, oh, you're such an attractive, like, fat woman. For a fat woman, you really have an hourglass figure. And, you know, it's like like I'm passable oh. fat or something. Like, something about me is societally yeah. acceptable, even though I'm fat. So it's kind of the same thing to you. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it insinuates the underlying belief that something is wrong with larger people or that something is wrong with being black that you have to tell me 50,000 times that my hair is great or that my skin is beautiful. And I love it. Those are compliments. They're great. But if you have to tell me 50,000 times, then you're just furthering the, the conversation. That's yeah. weird in some way. Yeah. And so there's a happy median. But really, I know this sounds really intense for people. And I don't want to scare people away from being culturally sensitive and culturally aware. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, don't beat yourself up. Like, don't kill yourself. But just, you know, try. <laughs> well, I call that forward-facing, right? Like, we all make mistakes. There have been mm-hmm. things I've said and done that have been horrible, and I'm so sorry. You know, energetically, I'm just going to send it out there. But mm-hmm. we've got to be forward-facing. That when we make mistakes, we do our best, we clean it up if we can, and then we're forward-facing, right? Absolutely. And we just keep yeah. keep learning, keep learning, keep evolving, keep growing, mm-hmm. keep doing our best. You know, I think yeah. that's all we can do. So, you know something? I just thought about something um, what? for the queer community. I've heard a lot, a lot, especially when the movement first started getting seen, mm-hmm. um, of people talking about bisexual people, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I could never date somebody bisexual because... I only want to date somebody who's bisexual. You only want to <laughs> date somebody who's like had sex with men and women. Come what? on now. Well, because of skill set. Oh, okay. I mean, okay. you know, <laughs> skill set and like both skill set sexually, but also interpersonally and like just more diversity. It's mm-hmm. like, like, would you rather date somebody who only dates like really dark black women or would you really like to, you know, they like variety of people and more yeah. experiences and stuff. I mean, you like what you like, yeah. but at the same time, yeah, bisexual people, like mm-hmm. they get a bad rap, but like. They really do. Yeah. That's who you want to date though. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my bisexual people. Uh-huh. What up? They really do. They get a bad rap. And so something that I can i'm not saying i've seen this something that i could see happening in a medical situation that should not be is that we uh test by people more for like stis and things Mm. couldn't you see that i could see somebody doing that i know the poly community is very committed to getting lots of sti testing because they're because they're you know like a lot of poly folks are sexually connected to their partners not just emotionally and whatever yeah oh and let's so go ahead I want to hop to that real quick. Okay. That polyamory is not under the like lesbian queer, um, you know, umbrella, if you will, but they are outside the heterosexual norm. Maybe they are mm-hmm. in the queer community. I don't know. Sorry, poly people represent yourselves. But, um, and I identify as polyamorous. I have like several partners, which was great. Like it's so it works for me so well. Um, but that's also something like folks and in the, cultural competency classes that um, I'm going to put out. I think they do address poly and maybe there's one for poly that I couldn't find, but um, like my sister, she's a therapist. She said somebody came in with a diagram of her polycule. Okay. Do you know what a polycule is? I'm assuming it's her like web. Of yeah. Poly people. Yeah, yeah. That's called the cules, C-U-L-E polycule. And so like she brought her provider a map. So okay. if you have a poly um, uh, patient having you know, we'll draw out your polycule for me so I can know what's going on. And those okay. things are fluid. They move a lot. So like right at your birth, draw another one so we know who's who and how and what names people want to use for each other. And, okay. and like, that's a big thing too. Okay. Yeah. I think maybe ask people. I think something that I have seen in 
in midwifery care is that yes, we have to screen everybody for STDs and STIs and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but we don't have to keep screening people mm-hmm. like, because for whatever, I don't know. Oh, they smoke the marijuana. We should screen them again. Oh, they're young. We should screen them again. Oh, they're black. We should screen them again. Like mm, maybe just screen them the one time and then ask them, Hey, based on your lifestyle, do you feel like you want me to screen you again? Mm-hmm. No. Okay, cool. Great. Mm-hmm. Move on. Like yeah. let them make that choice. Don't just secretly screen them some more because you have judgment based that's on the lifestyle. Bullshit, yeah. 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 Cause that's not informed consent. Yeah. And I like, it's not informed consent. Exactly. And I know that for a lot of uh, medical boards, that's like the standard that mm-hmm. we, if people fall into a certain category, we screen them some more, but I really feel like we can revolutionize care by letting people decide. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to see if we have any questions on our Facebook group. Okay, yeah, sure. This is what I look like up here. (laughs) We're getting real intimate. Mm -hmm. I type just like you do. Oh, look. Oh, my gosh, Rowan. I don't know how you got me on this camera. Oh, you just... You just just kind of did. (laughs) There was no important consent. It just happened. It just started. <laughs> and we may not have any questions going on right now, and that's okay. Okay. We definitely, this was kind of last minute. Um, oh, Joanna's watching. Oh, yay. Joanna's one of my partners. <laughs> Hi, Joanna. <laughs> and Rachel Jesus. <laughs> okay, one thing about these, it's hard to sometimes see all the um, All the comments. Things. Yeah, you can only see the last bunches right here yeah okay oh all right if you have another comment or question for us you can uh ask and rachel um stoneberg she's a local rachel stoneberg she's a local doula she's totally an ally and then uh joanna's one of my partners and also an ally she's the one who we were like smooching at uh luby's one time and i was like uh joanna and she's like it's 2019 people i was like right at luby's so (laughs) (laughs) yeah and okay treat lgbtqia couples just like any other couple please i think it's so weird when people complain about pda i'm like so are you equally as upset if i was over here making out my boyfriend like would you equally be like put off or is it just that this is a same sex couple that you're acting all extra like relax look away like look yeah. away and like for people who say that i'm like if it was if it was um a two black people would you be that upset if it's two white people yeah like you know if like interracial bullshit like yeah. i don't want to see that too you're like what the fuck yeah or if it's an interracial couple and then a lot of people make the argument about our children you know but our children i want my children to see that i want my children to see that and I will say parenting, everyone's choice is their choice. Do what mm-hmm. you want with your kid. You know, I, I can't do anything about mm-hmm. that. And I don't want to. But children are not like just mush buckets. Like, it's so weird. They saw like, two people kissing. Who cares? Yeah, that doesn't mean they say, oh, now I want to be exactly what that person is for the rest of my life. You know, maybe at some phase they're like, I remember seeing this and I want to try it. They try it. They don't like it. They don't like it. It's not them. Mm-hmm. You know, they should have the opportunity to explore that so that it can be their most authentic self if they want, Mm -hmm. if they want. And if they don't, then that's great too. But like, I don't think that we should, you know, we want to feel confident in who we are. We Mm -hmm. want to know who we are and like truly know, not just know who we were supposed to be because Mm -hmm. of our parents. 
You know, that was something I really, really dealt with when I became an adult. I don't agree with lots of things that my mom thinks and agrees with. And so I'm no longer the person that I was supposed to be based upon her, but I'm actually who I am because I got to go try and do all the things, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and we should want that for our children. We should want them to live our, their truth yeah. in whatever that looks like. And honestly, like if your kid's not gay, your kid's not gay. Your and Sadie isn't going to change that. Although one time I was, um, when I was married to Robin, they were uh, working at Starbucks and a friend of ours kid was standing in front of me. Um, like I ran into a friend and his name is David Gravy mm-hmm. and their um, daughter Iris was with him. And, uh, and so Iris was asking me, well, are you married Rowan? And Iris is like seven or something. And I was like, no. Um, I was like, well, I'm not married. I'm, I'm like with Robin. Mm -hmm. over there and then iris is like is she wearing shorts at work (laughs) and i was like yeah iris and she goes (laughs) so if you're if you are two women who love each other and you're kind of married to each other do you get to wear shorts at work and i was like well some women who are married to other women like to wear shorts at work and she goes i love wearing shorts they are so much more comfortable yeah. And so, and then she was like, I might want to love a woman. And David was like, whatever, Iris, you know? Mm-hmm. And now Iris is like, totally straight girl, you know, like whatever. Yeah. So Iris, seeing us lesbians wearing shorts at work, did not convert her to lesbianism, yeah. even though she was, com- you know, yeah. attracted to the shorts wearing aspect. Yeah. And honestly, the fact that it was the shorts that she's most <laughs> interested in proves the point even more. Like, these children don't care. I have my little cousin, he's 12 now. And when he learned about transgender and all these things, he was so excited. Yeah. He just run around talking about it all the time. Uh-huh. Is that transgender? That what? So if you do that, is that transgender? And so we're like explaining the whole time. No, yes, uh, this how it works. Uh, and he is not in any way like identify as one of these groups. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. But he's like, eh. but he's not concerned. He's like, if anybody I know does, hey, cool. Yeah. Great life. Yeah. But that didn't change seeing it and us explaining it to him and like letting him know that it. existed. Just like I'm not going to catch being black. Yeah. You're not going to catch being queer. You either are or you aren't. Yeah. 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 Cool. So please, let's just have that in our mind. Yeah. What okay. else, Rowan? I think that's probably good on, like, and we don't know everything. We're just two people who are trying to figure it out, right? Yeah. And be better providers. Yeah. All right. Do you want to switch gears and people. talk about scar tissue? Sure. Because okay. we've been going for like, what, an hour? At least. Okay. Scar tissue. You know what? I'm going to stop for this. Sorry, people. Okay. So scar tissue. Here's the deal. It's a super underdressed um, area. Like, have you, do you think you've ever run across cervical? We're talking especially cervical scar tissue here. Um, I have known a few, I have been in a few births where the mom had like a leap or, you know, mm-hmm. some sort of procedure where there may be scarring on her cervix. Yeah. And you knew that going in? Yeah. Okay. We did. All right. And did that affect the birth? No. Okay. Which we were very grateful for. But right. we knew that there was a chance that my preceptor may have to manually dilate because of that. Which preceptor was that? Afua. Afua. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's review how scars happen. It can happen from trauma, and trauma can be included as like a surgery or something like that. Okay. So like something physically happened, let's say physical. So something physically happening to the cervix, something chemically happening to the cervix, or a okay. pattern of holding the body. So like a, um, like a how, positional, like how you hold the body can create that. Okay. 
right? Like you've I'm, seen people like do this and it creates like thickening and, and like, we'll call it adhesions or something. It's oh, supposed to scar tissue, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let's say, um, a pattern of holding the body would be, let's say, um, you had a uh, coccyx injury. Like you okay. fell and you knocked your coccyx way up in your pelvis. And then that kind of pushed how your uterus and your pelvis was and whatever that could cause scar tissue, maybe not specifically on your cervix, mm -hmm. unless it was rubbing against it. But you know, like there's just ways or let's say that you have a super, um, you know, like you have a well-endowed partner or you like a big dick out of the drawer. I don't care. But like in a, hold your cervix a certain way you know what i mean like oh my gosh my delicate sensibilities <laughs> you know what i mean yes. well that's another thing you're gonna have to talk to like you know queer people because well just anybody like not a, you know penetrative sex oh let's dial back back to the lesbian thing one way you can be confident is when um you're asking about what type of birth control they're going to use after they have the baby okay one of my clients yeah. is like lesbianism <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny wow that's on, you're on autopilot okay so be present yeah <laughs> yeah be present but um so somebody who has scar tissue on the cervix typically what happened scar tissue is on your cervix it's kind of like on your lip like if you ever had a like a scar on your lip and mm. then it holds it tight it holds it tight and then one day it like busts open and then it like does a rapid gap you know what i mean okay. so that's what happens a lot of times with people with scar tissue they have a failure to progress okay yeah yeah and they come in and they feel like they're working really hard mm -hmm. and they're like at a two or a three Okay. nothing 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 and then like in an hour it busts open to an eight mm -hmm. but they could be working really hard for hours and hours and hours so what if you have someone who like doesn't have a procedure where they knew scar tissue might be a thing like are we just checking now for people who aren't dilating if they have scar tissue or not because they i would consider it i would okay. highly consider it like is it like emotionally they don't feel safe or they have a rape history and they don't feel safe and their cervix mm -hmm. isn't dilating or the baby's head is not applied well to the cervix that's a reason and so you're saying from a well-endowed partner you could have cervical scarring yeah because if your partner's rubbing up on your cervix all the time and especially mm -hmm. like let's say you're kind of medicated when you have sex like say you only have drunk sex or high sex yeah. or whatever sexy sex whatever i don't know do. <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm not here to judge you but like if you're not always con or maybe you have a trauma history and you're dissociated from your body okay and then of course like iud's and things that iud's yeah because that's that physical irritation right okay yeah 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 a tampon that you put in a lot like too high or i don't know okay maybe the cup if it gets stuck on there or sticks a certain way mm -hmm. anything that would rub or cause like i had somebody who had a pap smear that her cervix was so friable that they had to use uh silver nitrate to um cauterize it because it was just bleeding 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 oh wow and when i did her i did an exam for her it was somebody brought in this patient mm -hmm. um or her i felt like i was doing a dental exam on jaw jaws like it was like all oh, like wow. a sea anemone there was so much Ooh. scars and polyps and stuff so how sensitive like how easy is it to scar your cervix because you're it's sounding like it's way easier than i thought it was it's kind of like your lip man yeah man yeah okay you can see my lips i, I know have, i'm like, like looking at them yeah from like how many times i was i'm a tomboy you guys mm -hmm. so i busted my lip a thousand times and you can see the discoloration from where mm -hmm. those scars were mm -hmm. It's that easy. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah, but I don't think a cervix discolors. Maybe if you're black, I don't know. I haven't looked at that many cervixes. Like, I mostly just feel mm -hmm. them. Yeah. So, okay, here's the other I one. I might actually ask you to Plan look at my B. Cervix. Sure. Happy to do it. TMI, you guys. But we're going to get up the microphone and then. <laughs> <laughs> and then go look at my cervix. Because I have um, IUDs. And I've had two of them. And I've had them since before I became sexually active. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's something that I worry about, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh man, I haven't had any babies yet. I want to have some babies mm-hmm. and I don't want to ruin or make my journey more difficult, mm-hmm. you know, because. Well, there's things we can do about it too, though, like knowing it and going in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to talk about those a different day because I want to like talk with myself about how much I can share without having people going and doing it to themselves and then not having a knowledgeable provider. You know, I'm just like having a self-check because I want everybody to be empowered, but at the same time, I don't want to set people up for further. Yeah, damaging them. Yeah, yeah. Situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, plan B is a big problem. Well, I bet. Plan B, because, okay, here's the cervix, right? Um, and I, can we hold this? Yeah. So um, I drew this out one time for Rachel Stonebrook. It was hilarious. But if this is the cervix, here's the, um, where the baby comes out. This is the top of your cervix. Here's your uterus. Mm-hmm. The plan B scars right here. So you don't know it until they're dilating and then they're dilating and then you'll feel this ridge or you'll be like, what, how is this funneling with the cervix? What's yeah. going on? Oh. Yeah. That's well, that on the box. No. <laughs> you know, and like, what's better having, um, you know, a scarred cervix or an unwanted pregnancy, like, you know, a scarred cervix for a hundred Alex, but, um, it used to, like, I asked somebody one time who was really struggling. I was like, have you taken plan B? And I was in front of her mom. Most people will lie about stuff like that in front of their yeah. parents. But I just needed to know. And I just gently said it. And she goes, like, it was candy. And I was like. Oh, my. Because she had a real traumatic mm-hmm. first birth. She had a traumatic first birth. And so every time she thought she might get pregnant, she took plan B. And then when she finally had her baby, then she had it here. But it was a long struggle. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it can really, like, jack up early labor. So that's what I think, because we can do our education component with the early labor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but I don't think a scarred cervix is a reason not to take plan B. I don't want to say that, but I want to say that you got to know the risk going in. Yeah. Yeah. Got to know the yeah. risk and benefits. A, a termination. That can cause scarring. Okay. Either the chemical termination or uh, uh, the oh. procedural. Wow. Okay. And if you do menstrual extraction that can also cause anything that touches the cervix. You know, it's just not used to a lot of action. Okay. Yeah. So what about if you, well, I'm choosing, so, you know, some birth control, IUD, you have to feel for your strings every month. Yeah. yeah. Is that, can you be too rough with that? Is that, or you'll feel the pain from it before you're scarring. Yeah. I think gently feeling something is real different. Like just think about your lip because you can feel your lip all day long as opposed to like damaging yourself. Right. So it's really just these well-endowed partners, these procedures. Something out of the drawer. Or like I knew somebody who had drunk sex with um, while she had a tampon in. Penetration sex. Oh. I think that could have been. And she just the... shoved that thing right? Well, she didn't remember. And the next yeah. morning she pulled the tampon out. She's like, oh, shit, I had sex with a tampon in. Okay. Oh, Straight goodness. people. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but like anything. And I think also that's a cultural competency too, that sex doesn't just mean P and B. Yeah right? Yeah. Yeah. And if you need to research like how you can have sex without penetration, then that's something to do. Get you going. Know? And then even for hetero couples, sex without penetration is sometimes really great. You guys. <laughs> like don't, don't sleep. Don't <laughs> sleep. Okay. Get on it now. <laughs> Explore this intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's with cervical scar tissue is that it can from plan B, um, the pill, mm-hmm. um, talked about iud strings the cup anything that attaches onto your cervix the morena ring oh fuck. Uh, uh, is that the that's the one the yeah the ring that goes on it not the marina no no that's that? a what is that called 
Maneuvering. The maneuvering. Sorry, it's a little bit late. Yeah. Maneuvering. Maneuvering. Brain is an IUD. Yeah, the maneuvering will do it. So anything that gets chemicals that would create, you know, like just chemicals in your cervix typically. So could that be any hormonal birth control now? So are we now considering the depo shot and maybe the pill as something that could scar your cervix? I don't know. I haven't heard so much about the depo shot. Okay. Like most of this is anecdotal. Like, um, I have a list of questions that Mary Love sent me, who's a local midwife, who is a great, and I'm not addressing any of these right now. So maybe the next time I do this, well, I'll get those questions out. Okay. But she asked me like, what kind of research has been done on this? Where are the studies? Where's the literature review? And mm-hmm. I was like, dude, I don't know. I've been busy doing, you know, like I'm a professional urban put on that. I like, I'm in the trenches doing stuff. I don't, I don't know some of the answers to this. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants to do a literature review and talk about it, that's great. I know there's a scar remediation, um, book and i actually learned a lot of my scar remediation let me give my um my props to ellen heed um mm. s- through stream so scar tissue remediation yeah yeah that's it so okay. stream yeah and, and ellen heed like she's fabulous and she's done lots of literature review and stuff so if anybody's publishing anything it's ellen heed okay yeah so tell me ron so let's say boom i got scars on my cervix and now what um work on it before you're pregnant before you're pregnant okay yeah yeah. and you would see a scar tissue remediation expert for it Mm -hmm. you would get like a midwife friend or somebody that you trust to do a digital exam to like feel not somebody who's like there for like sexy time unless you can do this first with somebody before sexy time happens but this is where like you get a really good thorough pelvic exam and see if they can feel anything externally okay um if you've had a surgical birth um adhesions can form behind your cervix and your pelvis and like pull your cervix persistently posterior so you mm. want somebody to sweep behind there too yeah to like okay. kind of bust those up and are there any so after you see someone for scarring right mm-hmm. and is there any like it's exercises you give them to do at home or to have their partner help them do or you're like no you really need a specialist um most of the times i come up with a treatment plan that's not something i feel like i can share right now but okay. it's not exercises gotcha. okay but you know let's review how scars get down okay scars are like silly putty do you know what silly putty is yeah. Okay, silly buddy comes in a little red egg and it's stiff, right? And when you like bust at it, it like shears off. But if you mm-hmm. move it in different ge- directions, that's called thixotropism. So it's gentle repeated motion and heat b- brings them down. Okay. So we've got to figure out how to get that on the cervix. Okay, which I can already imagine. Yeah, sometimes it is. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it is. We need more scar tissue remediation experts. Okay. For sure. I don't want to ask you too many questions or say too much because I know you kind of wanted to leave the people. Well, I want, I want people to figure out, oh, do I have scar tissue? Things to think about is, do I have scar tissue on my okay. own cervix? You know? Mm-hmm. And if I do, how is that shown up? Like with difficult periods? Has my body, my, you know, periods emptied? Well, you know what I'm having. Mm-hmm. Our Vigo therapy is great. It's a good way to start because it starts, you know, the cervix is connected to your uterus, right? It's the bottom segment. So like doing work that supports your uterus also supports innervating and, and blood flow and stuff like that to your cervix too. So they're okay. good, like they're, they're friendly. Okay. So I know that one of the, what's the word I'm looking for, Rowan? Help me. One of the things uh-huh. that can happen when you have scars on your cervix is needing to be manually dilated in labor or having trouble dilating. Yeah. Having what trouble else? Yeah. What are some other symptoms? Well, the symptom is that you feel like you're in much more active labor than you are and you keep okay. getting waved off from the hospital. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you, we can't allow you to come in yet. Or you don't have, you're in a lot of labor, but the baby's head isn't on your cervix very well. So it's not, you know, dilating mm-hmm. that cervix. We really need a strong head on the cervix. So one of the best things you can do too is do spinning babies. 
Okay. So you have a positively positioned baby, like a well-positioned baby with a good reflexed head. Mm -hmm. This is right there on that. And that's really working on that cervix to break okay. down the scar tissue. Okay. Because if you get induced or you start having Pitocin or whatever, like let's say, you know, in a hospital setting, and or we're doing all these things to get labor going, but the baby's head isn't well applied on the cervix, don't matter. You're going to have all this like funky labor that doesn't help shit. Okay. And what about when you're not pregnant? I heard you say something about periods. Oh, yeah. Um, like if you have difficult periods and stuff. Like painful? Yeah. I would start okay. getting some Arvigo treatment. Okay. Yeah. Arvigo therapy or mine abdominal massage. Um, I was trained by um, Dr. Rosita Arvigo. Some people find that problematic. You might want to find like a wound care person, um, whatever works for you. But and make sure that they have some idea about scar tissue also. If you're in Houston, Texas, you can see me or my friend Mary. Um, yeah. Okay. And then um, what could be another cause? Like, could there be, you were saying something about trauma. So you're, there could be like emotional or. They've been raped. Yes. Okay. Molested. Could it be. Anything. Is there, ever some, is there ever some emotional thing that's like, oh. Just the emotion itself without some type of physical without trauma? Without penetration, yeah. Without physical trauma, could there be anything else? Well, you said so. chemical, and then you said physical. Right. So physical, well, you know, I felt, yeah, like that was actually something touching the cervix. Mm -hmm. But I think emotional, because we've both known people that felt safe and good and were laboring, and then somebody comes in the room and, like, the labor stops, and, like, mm -hmm. and the cervix kind of undilates itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think so if there's, um, you know, and the body and the mind are, like, amazing. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know specifically of a situation anecdotally where that's happened, but mm -hmm. I would not be surprised if that was the truth. And I think we've all known people that, like, just didn't dilate no matter what. Yeah. And we couldn't really figure out a rhyme or reason for that. So, I mean, who was it? I think it was Ina May who likes to say that sphincters are shy. Mm-hmm. And they are, mm -hmm. but I'm wondering if that can cause scarring. Like if the emotional, like yeah, because you're holding that body pattern okay. too, right? Oh, so if you're, oh, so holding tension in your pelvic floor, oh, yes. holding tension in your pelvic floor. Tell me about it. Yeah, because okay, and remember when people push and they have a tense pelvic floor, that's where we see most of our tears. Because when they're pushing, they're pushing against their pelvic floor as opposed to pushing and opening up. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like one of my friends described pushing is kind of like you can't stop it. It's like you're throwing up except from your gut. And okay. I was like, and so when you think about throwing up from your gut, but if you were throwing up with your mouth shut, what would happen? You know, mm -hmm. nothing. It would be terrible. Yeah. So if you're like trying to um, push over a pelvic floor or push over a cervix that's too tight, you're having the urge to push, but your cervix isn't dilated yet. Mm -hmm. That's not going to work. Okay. Yeah. All right. And any type of pelvic floor tension, when I think a lot of people have, um, that's. And there's classes on how to push. Have you ever seen those? No. I mean, they're great. Like how to loosen okay. your pelvic floor. That's why people okay. dilate so well and push so well on the toilet because that's where they're used to being open yeah. and loose. Okay. So that's a good point. I really like that, that pelvic and holding the tension. Mm -hmm. Because if we think about it, so we hold tension in our bodies, whether we're aware or not. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. All the time. I'll be like, I didn't notice I was holding my breath. I didn't notice I had my shoulders in my ears. I didn't notice that I was holding my arm like this because I was cold. Mm -hmm. Like, so whatever, maybe um, take a moment to check in with your body each day mm -hmm. where, or, you know, any moment that you can. Well, I think like fitness, because I think fitness, like your daily walk, I think that loosens your pelvic floor, like your mm -hmm. daily walk out in nature. I really okay. like that. Or water aerobics because you're doing stuff. You know, and like mm -hmm. if you have my water aerobics instructor, good luck to you. Don't tell her your name, she'll yell at you. Right? Oh. <laughs> and then um uh and then what's the last thing? Oh, Mama Strong, because that's all about 
pelvic health, not hypertension in your pelvic floor. Okay. And pelvic health doesn't mean that you have the strongest, most solid pelvic muscles. No, because that's too much. Because that can be too much. I think that's something that people, they don't think that their pelvic floor can be too muscular. Yeah. And it's like, no, that can. Yeah. 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 For real. Like runners and dancers and Mm -hmm. y'all's pelvic floor is too much man or midwifery students who heard somewhere that it's good to have a strong pelvic floor and then just went too intense oh <laughs> i have a couple of friends who did that oh, okay i'm like <laughs> what the way yeah um but yeah that's a good holding tension because i'm imagining and i you know everybody believes their own things but i've explored lots of different uh spiritualities and religions and so i know that you know when we're thinking about chakras mm-hmm. you think about your root chakra mm-hmm. so when you feel like you're lacking in security or you're not safe, or something that you you send your community all that doesn't down. support you. Yeah. yeah, you send all that energy down to your root chakra, and then you're holding all this tension in there, you're holding all this energy and tension in your root chakra, which is near where? Where? <gasps> yeah, you know, it's near your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. And so, of yeah, course, yeah, it's on your pelvic floor. Yeah, your chakra, you're, right? you got all this tension and all these, you know. Of course, you could have some things going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We didn't actually talk about religious and spiritual cultural competency. No, we didn't. Yeah. And that's a big one. Yeah. Man, the fact that you... Oh. That's all right. Oh, okay. You know, but it's cool because okay. people like feel like it's okay to like be Muslim and it's mm-hmm. okay to be Christian, but it's mm-hmm. not okay to be anything else. Yeah. You know? I do. I do exactly. I can't tell you how many fights I've had at an organization we're both in. I'm like, do not call this a Christmas party one more time. Mm. And do not ask me about my husband one more time because I don't okay. have one. Did I forget about something? So... Yeah. I think spirituality is great. I think as midwives, we strive to include our spirituality mm-hmm. in our birth. And we want to um, have spirituality present in the births of our clients. I think it's really, really important to differentiate between religion and spirituality. Okay. Um, because they are not the same. And there are religious people who I wouldn't call spiritual. I wouldn't. 100%. I would not at all. Same page on that one. And there are some spiritual people who are not religious. Yeah. And I think it's really important that you differentiate. And I think it's important that we don't, it's wonderful to have pride in our religion and in our beliefs. It's a different thing to accidentally throw them up on top of everyone. Mm-hmm. To accidentally assume that because they didn't say anything contrary to our language, that that's what they feel. Right. Lots and lots of friends, I personally don't object to the way anybody talks about their spirituality or their religion at any moment. Because in my own life, I can pretty much relate to it all. Mm-hmm. So I don't like, I, you know, I don't object when people are like, God, Allah, you know, the ancestors, the spirits, the universe, source, whatever. I'm like, whatever, say whatever you want. Bring I on. know what it means when I'm thinking about mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it's really like, and man, it's crazy that you brought that up because there are so many religious mm-hmm. midwives and we do often find ourselves putting that on our clients without actually asking or confirming or even knowing what they believe so i felt I, there's a term and i don't remember what it is right now but it's when you believe your way is the only way yeah i forget what it is but shannon told me about that um mono no i forget but like because my first preceptor like she's married to a christian pastor and they're like christian full quiver people mm-hmm. like whatever um and i'm so decidedly not right but she said well i'm christian but i'm not like i i've I can't believe I can't remember the word, but she goes, I don't believe that's the only way for everybody mm-hmm. or I'm not going to tell everybody like she might believe that, but she's not going to like proselytize or whatever. Yeah. And I appreciated that. And I think that's mm-hmm. the thing. If you are a religious or spiritual midwife, either or both, then knowing that even 
well, even if you feel that way and you don't say it, it's going to come out anyway. But like having a point in yourself where you just embrace people where they're at and whatever their theology is. Mm. And that's cool. Cause I'm pretty sure if like I told everybody, Hey everybody at GHMA, I'm Satanist, you know, like what's up. They would be like, ah, you know, I would get voted out. Although I'm supposed to be gracious to everybody there who's Christian. Yeah. You know, like, well, so which is it? Like yeah. we give everybody grace or we don't. Yes. You know, and it's definitely that we give everybody grace in case you didn't know the, the winning the answer. Huh? No, I'm just okay. saying anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. The winning answer to that question. Um, so something that I've encountered a lot is, oh, we're at the birth. Let's pray. No. Who says that? Like let's the family? Not. Like providers. <gasps> no. Don't, let's not. Don't. Unless we know, unless we know that this family is a spiritual and religious family and that's what they want to do. They like, uh, we talked about it prenatally and they said, man, I just really want the Lord to be present at my birth. Great. Let's initiate a prayer. But if we didn't have this conversation, let's not. Let's just not. Um, I think also. <laughs> that was terrible. That's <laughs> terrible. One time I was at a birth and they wanted to like say scriptures and stuff. And so like I looked them up on a, on a phone mm -hmm. and it was like saying them out loud. I can believe I was a person who was in charge of doing it. But I was like, whatever, let's do it, you know? Yeah. But because I thought everybody there would have like better Christian game than I did. Yeah. Being really that you're not, not Christian. Right. But um, I'm like, I could level up though. Whatever. Yeah. Here we go. And it works the other. So I've also seen it in the other way, you know, someone who's not Christian, not religious. And the them kind of speaking negatively mm -hmm. on religion in front of clients. Yeah. And it's like, so let's just not do that either. Like, yeah. Let's just not do, maybe let's ask people what they are and what language, what they believe, what they Yeah, feel. back to that language. Yeah. And what language you want to use. So mm -hmm. I'm fine using whatever. I'll use God, universe, source, witches, and Wiccans, and Brujas. I'm fine. Like, whoop, I'm, I will say whatever. And it's I, dumb, yeah. yeah. But it's important that you ask that. So, like, I know Rowan. I don't really know her spiritual beliefs. But I know she's not Christian. So I'm not going to be like, God bless you, Rowan. Like, and I'm sure she would love that blessing. I'm sure she'd be like, yeah, bring me the good vibes. I would, but, but you know, like, it's okay, sure, whatever. Yeah, and you you accept it. But yeah. it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's not what You don't true. know me. Yeah, and it just kind of feels like that. It kind of feels like that person is more talking to themselves and pretending that they're talking to you. Oh, yes, the self-talker. Yes, the, the projector. Oh, yeah. Yes, so let's yeah. not project our religion onto people or our spirituality onto people. Mm-hmm. I was um, a doula for somebody the other day and she's divinely Catholic. And I said something about, um, I used to have this cool old witch's house, you know, mm -hmm. that had herbs. And she's like, Rowan, what was that? And I was like, well, I just had a house with a lot of herbs and, you know, like mm -hmm. chickens and backpedal. You know, and so then um, she ended up having a surgical birth and I was just with her and I was like, just remember you're a faith-based person and mm -hmm. that who you are and your energy and your, um, mood is, creates a chemical signature so as you're having that surgical birth that's the chemical signature in your blood that's the vibes that's the that's what the baby's feeling you know mm -hmm. you know Candace Burt teaches us that our emotions create a chemical signature and so she was like okay okay and I was like okay so but you know we are faith-based people she's like mm -hmm. right because she's you know very catholic mm -hmm. and so then i hugged her husband or like he hugged me which i thought he hated me so i was like okay here comes and so he gave me a hug and i was like and just remember faith-based person we're, we're faith-based people and mm -hmm. he was like oh okay rowan and i'm like i fucking blew it because she was devoutly catholic but he mm -hmm. wasn't oh uh, you know so hey. up late late at night <laughs> why did i say that why did i do that should i text him oh my god you know whatever but i just kept moving you know like yeah I said the best I could in that moment. Yeah, and that's that's all we ever Oops, do. I did it again.
Right. Okay. Well, we've been going an hour and a half now. Yeah, I feel like that. Okay, good. here, hold this, and let me just make sure there's no questions. Okay. And then, then we're gonna be done, and I'll put this up on. Tigers can be choosers. Oh, Susie's here too. Susie is one of. Oh, Susie was here 30 minutes ago. Susie's also one of my partners. Hi, oh, Susie. I wanted to tell you this thing that happened. So, um, with me and Susie actually. So we uh, went on the midwifery cruise. You know, the oh, education one? Yeah, was it awesome? It was awesome. And you know, mm -hmm. one of the presenters was gay and has been lesbian for a long ass time. Since okay. Of time. Awesome. And then Susie and I went and ate dinner with some of the people and the crews. Mm -hmm. And one guy, some lady's husband, would not use the butter because it touched the butter after Susie had touched it. Wow. Yeah. This is unfortunate stuff. <laughs> right. So then Susie and I were like, well, we're not sitting with any of them. Susie's like, do we have to do that anymore? I was like, no, we, we don't. So then yeah. later they were like, oh, come sit with us. Some other people were. So then we sat next to one of the people who mm -hmm. was, in fact, gay, mm -hmm. um, one of the presenters. And then Susie, when she saw that Susan and I were together, like, she definitely warmed up to us. Yeah. It was like, right on. Susie, get over there. Yeah. She was like, kindred spirits. <laughs> That's right. So something that I feel like was really important when we talk about spiritual, spirituality and religion is that the person who you're friends with or who you love or uh -huh. who you know or who you trust and chose as your provider, they don't, they're not a new person because you found out what their beliefs are. Oh, right. That's okay? so true. Yeah. They're still your friend. They're still your friend. They're still your family member. They're still your care provider. They're still the same person. Like all the things that you felt about them uh -huh. and like, oh, I just feel like this person's a good person. I think they have such a great heart. They still have all of that. They still have all of that. Yeah. And so like, let's not judge people on like, their spirituality but that they practice because even a lot of people we don't even a lot of people don't even consciously choose what their spirituality and religion are they just are that because they were raised like that or because mm -hmm. their friends said hey come try this let's base let's base our judgments on people if we must judge people on their actions yeah. so if you still get good feelings when you're with them if you still feel like they take good care of you and like mm -hmm. they love you and they're a good friend to you lover to you partner whatever then they're still that person and we want to accept them and love them for who they are. So if all of a sudden you tell me that you're a satanic worshiper, well, mm -hmm. I still have only ever liked you. So mm -hmm. I'm still going to like you and I don't care. But you would have to like go and see what that means, right? Yeah. Because maybe that way when you, you say something, when I'm you, like, oh, okay. When you, when you think of what a satanic worshiper is, like the satanic temple of Houston, <laughs> right on people. Like if more people looked at that, they'd be like, oh, they're really onto something here. Mm. You know? So like when you learn something about like being Muslim or you learn something about like being Wiccan or, you know, when we think about like herbal knowledge, like yeah. especially like some of the Nordic and like my grandmother was a wise woman from, um, from Denmark, um, from Denmark. Yeah. Um, she like all of her, like kind of upper European Herb, herbal lore and stuff like like that's so important but that's like a lot of like wiccan based stuff there you yeah know? like so when we think about different theologies having different strengths and then ayurveda like that's been around like because ayurveda used to be um part of like the the kings and the rulers were the priests who the priests who knew the ayurvedic knowledge the healing arts knowledge that's who ruled the community and that predates christianity by forever mm -hmm. so like when people learn yeah, about different familiar. theologies and different gifts that they bring like there's so much to that yeah right? So go ahead and look into it and learn about it, you know, so that you can like, connect with this person that you love. Yeah. 
so that you can, can connect and understand better this person that you love. And that goes with the same thing with the more common religions, you know, Christianity and all of that. You may learn something new about Christianity too, mm-hmm. you know, like let's not think because it's just the most popular one that we can't learn anything new about um, that faith. Yeah. 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 Um, there was something else, Rowan. It was right there in my brain. Was it about was it? scars or cultural competency, theology? It was about theology. It was about that. Well, I'm not a Satanist. I just want to say that. Um, <laughs> I really think Satanists are cool. Like, those are some, like, real legit people because they're um, anti-hypocrisy. And when mm. we think about all the hypocrisy going on, yeah. like, you know, this is what always gets me is when, like, somebody says, and that person's a Christian, too. And I'm like, well, you know, there's some consistency there you know and I don't want to be like anti-Christian either yeah you know but sometimes I find it challenging my Christians um and then I know people who like one of my friends is a a Lutheran pastor and every time I'm like I don't know what to do with this I'm like let's see what Pastor Laura has to say you know Mm -hmm. so I don't know I think there's teachers in every way and we just gotta like listen up and be aware absolutely Okay, well, I think this is probably it for us, unless you have, you remembered what you were talking no, about? No, can't remember. Sorry, okay. you guys. Well, I was like, oh, this will probably only be 30 minutes. It's only me and you. Like, just tell everybody not else to come. They're going to be running late. Here we are. But yeah. we've always kind of liked each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, you know, we're passionate people. You get us started. We go. Right. We're <laughs> going to be able to talk about stuff. Yeah. Okay, let me just make sure nobody else is asking a question. And thank you. Shout out to all my partners, by the way. Yeah, for showing up and supporting. Yeah, like, and then, well, actually, Rachel is, um, we're in TLC Doula Group together. Sweet. So one of my, Hi, Rachel. my TLC sisters is here. And then Joanna and Susie, who are my partners, are here. And then somebody else um, said something that I can't see. Yeah. And I don't think we, I'm, we're only looking at people who commented, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. It looks like, um, oh, Caitlin Gableman. I was at her birth. Shut up. Cool. Yeah, Hi, Caitlin. She wasn't one of my qualifying births. And I don't know who Jennifer is, but I'm sure we're buddies already. I love my eyelashes up in there. Okay. Well, I think that's it for us. Thanks, everybody, who listened today. <laughs> Malia, do you have a working name for your business, or how would people follow you on Instagram? Or um, I do have, like, a doula. You guys, I'm the worst social media person ever. Dude, you have to get it together here. I know. That. And everyone thinks I'm supposed to have it together because I'm a millennial. They're like, you're a millennial. Be better. I used to social text media, you instead I... of Afua. I'd be like, can you fix this for Afua? Before she got her social media person? Nope. I can't. Um, but you can follow me on Instagram at birthing beginnings because that's my doula. At birthing beginnings? Yeah. That's my doula placenta encapsulator okay. business name. Okay. And are you going to rebrand that? Like, are you going to keep that as your midwife name or no? I'll probably keep it as my midwife name. Yeah. Because okay, cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. Birthing beginnings. Birthing beginnings. And I'm uh, Preggers Can Be Choosers. I'm one third of Preggers Can Be Choosers and we're on Facebook. And then we're also on Instagram as Preggers Can Be Choosers. And then also preggers.rocks is our website URL. All right. And I'm going to use content from this from Elephant in the Womb. That's our prenatal education series okay. or just perinatal, whatever. And uh, also preggers can be choosers uh, Facebook or um, YouTube. Okay. Oh, and I should do this. Gosh, I'm terrible. Um, plug hams. So the reason that Rowan is here speaking on this thing is oh, yeah, because yeah. Um, we'd ask her. So we're Houston Area Midwifery Student Society. Um, we are a group for all Houston midwifery students, no matter what route or path you are taking to becoming a midwife. And we're just all about education and support. So having people come and speak on topics, um, doing like book club, you know, reading certain chapters and textbooks and discussing them. Mm -hmm. And then also um, emotional meetups because it's a very unique thing to be a midwifery student and it's really hard and most people don't understand that. Mm -hmm. And so come be by some loving people in a safe space 
and express yourself, you know, get mm-hmm. your feelings out and get some advice about how to tackle the unique problems that you may face as a midwifery student, HAMS. Yeah. And I'm real grateful for HAMS because um, I was showing a lot of, um, I thought I was trying to show a lot of leadership in the student community totally when I was, was a student and I got like squashed like a bug, man. Some of the senior midwives like got on my ass so hard. I was like, fuck all this shit, man. I'm out. Okay. Yeah. And so then I just like focused really hard on studying and like getting through because one of my commitments is that, you know, midwives are leaving at the same rate that newer midwives are coming in. We're not mm-hmm. growing our profession. So um, one of my things, my next professional level goal is to become a preceptor. And I think I told you this. Mm-hmm. I want to become a preceptor and I'll get on your ass too soon. Like we have to document every birth because just become we become a preceptor doesn't mean that we have to take a student, but it means we can start doing workshops where we can sign off on people. Oh, and my yeah, assistant yeah. is, a, um, is uh, a notary. Okay. So one of my, not Mary, but somebody else. So like uh, we can start developing our students, you know, and people behind us because our job, once we like that, uh, uh, Tim McGraw song, you know, when you get past the line, you turn around and you pull a person behind you and mm-hmm. then they pull the person. So we're just going to keep pulling the person next one over the line, become preceptors. And then when we're ready, we can start taking a student, but until then we start doing workshops and encouraging people and help people yeah. with someone like the general, like minutia stuff that can, you're like, Oh shit, I totally forgot about that. I had to be doing that. You know? Absolutely. So that's, that's the next thing become preceptors and then um, keep showing leadership in this group. And we need more culturally competent midwives. We need people who understand about scar tissue. And I'm not here to change the dinosaur midwives. You can either step up or get, you know, fossil. I mean, there's a, there's a group for every midwife. So even the dinosaur midwives, there's some people. Yeah, they're in those Christian midwives. And I use dinosaur midwives just to be consistent. (laughs) I'm like, wait. But you know what I mean? Like, there's those Christian midwives groups that were, you know, like, they can all, whatever, raise their Jesus. and, And that's fine. But, like, I need folks, and there's also evidence-based midwives. Mm-hmm. There's, like, we've always done We just want midwives. representation, yes. Yeah, we want representation. Yeah. And we want, like, some growth. Like, we need the newer midwives to, like, be looking at um, I where just, we're going from here. Yeah, because this is a, we're office. We're going to yeah. be the next series of preceptors. And I'm, like, 49 years old. So I've mm-hmm. maybe got, like, yeah, 49. So I maybe have like 20 years in me, right? Where Malia, maybe you have 40 years, 50 years of being a midwife, you know? I'm being a midwife till I die. Right. When I'm like, <laughs> but, you know, like, but you're going to be a midwife longer than me. So hopefully. So like, I feel like we have to like, you know, when you're a fool's age and you have all these students and stuff, mm-hmm. like I want you to just have such a breadth of knowledge. And yeah. Anyway, yeah. not that a fool is not great, but she is. She um, is. Okay. Um, yeah. She just got an award from Mana, but absolutely. You know who was there with her that day? You know who was there helping her when she was learning people during Harvey? Oh. Oh. It's me. Oh, yeah. It was me. She, I know she likes you. Like, I know she has some, her Rowan love I know. going on. Because she, that. you know, she's got a couple of people. Those are her people. Yeah. But, um, absolutely. So hit us up. Preggers can be choosers. Birthing beginnings. Hams. Also Hams. Hams is on Facebook. Yeah. Hams is on Facebook. Um, and you can reach out to me. Or Melissa Neely or Shawnee Van Patten. Van Patten. Yeah. On any of us, we're the board. Cool. Cool. All right, we're signing off. And uh, thank you very much for everybody who's watching. And uh, much love, right? Yep. Peace begins in birth, one birth at a time.